Sefer Shmot, Parshat Titzaveh, on clothing. In Parshat Titzaveh, we dive further into the details of priestly service. And while the minutia can be a lot to take in, sometimes the pageantry can itself be awe-inspiring. One example of this is in Exodus 28, the description of Aaron's garments. In the Torah, God says, these are the vestments the skillful workers are to make. A breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a fringed tunic, a headdress, and a sash. They shall make those sacral vestments for your brother Aaron and his sons, for priestly service to me. They therefore shall receive the gold, the blue, purple, the crimson yarns, and the fine linen. They shall make the ephod of gold, of blue, purple, and crimson yarns, and of the fine twisted linen, worked into designs. It shall have two shoulder pieces attached. They shall be attached at its two ends, and the decorated band that is upon it shall be made like it, of one piece with it, of gold, of blue, purple, and crimson yarns, and of fine twisted linen. These instructions for Aaron's garments go on for 31 more verses, and then the Torah begins to talk about the garments for Aaron's sons, who will also serve as priests. Jewish dress has intrigued and inspired people for millennia. The Talmudic story in which Hillel the Elder tells a convert, that which is hateful to you, do not do unto another, immediately precedes another conversion story of a stranger who, while walking by the Beit Midrash, hears this Parsha's description of Aaron's vestments. It says in Tractate Shabbat, The Gentile said, These garments, for whom are they designated? The student said to him, For the high priest. The Gentile said to himself, I will go and convert so that they will install me as high priest. <laughs> the story goes that Shammai thought this potential convert was being foolish. Priesthood in Judaism is inherited, and he was not from a priestly family, of course. And so Shammai pushed him away. Hillel, by contrast, converted the man and had him learn more Torah. And the convert took comfort in finding that even King David, as someone who wasn't a priest, couldn't wear these garments. Hillel the patient, the convert said, may blessings rest upon your head as you brought me under the wings of the divine presence. One insight I gain from this is that the clothes we wear communicate meaning, something about who we are. We can choose to convey characteristics such as modesty, professionalism, or religiosity. We might send a message by wearing a talit to a protest, by donning a head covering in prayer, or for a child wearing clothes that broadcast an image of coolness at school. This even goes back to the book of Genesis, in which Jacob gives his son Joseph the coat of many colors to indicate his love for him. The Talmud in Tractate Yoma teaches that priestly garments, like all temple property, must be publicly owned. Even if the priest's mother had made it for him, he must transfer the ownership to the public. Why is this so? Well, the garments are made with the material contributions of the people and are, and are made, it says, in our Parsha by those with the God-given gift of skill for making these clothes. But today, no one wears the garments of priests. So how is any of this Torah relevant? I think learning about these processes should push us to think beyond the beauty of clothes and even their symbolic meaning, to consider the origins of our clothes, the materials, and the labor. We must confront the reality of global exploitation in the textiles industry. 
And one part of this problem is that it's not even known how vast it is. According to the Smithsonian Institute's National Museum of American History, there is no agreement as to the amount of garments sold in the United States today that are produced in sweatshops. Some people estimate that more than 75% of production could be considered sweatshop produced. Others suggest the actual occurrence of sweatshops represents an insignificant portion of the industry. These estimates vary depending on the perspectives and agendas of those involved. Something must be done about the lack of transparency in the garment industry. On the governmental level, human rights protections must be enforced, and perhaps innovators, Jewish or otherwise, should develop an independent certification system beyond the scantily recognized fair trade clothing seals that exist to ensure that clothes are produced ethically. In addition to advocating for better protection for the workers who make our clothes, consider the damage done by fast fashion or nice-looking clothing that is made cheaply and designed. And we should pass further legislation wherever possible against gross violations of labor and climate. All while considering the cost of clothing and the toll it takes on families and on people in poverty. On a smaller scale, one way to help might be to make the most of the clothing that already exists. We can buy used clothing ourselves, and we can donate, pass on, or resell the clothes we no longer need. In the Jewish community, there's endless discussion on the outward appearances of our clothes, but very little thought given to the ethics of where our clothing comes from. I believe we need to reevaluate the way Jewish values function in this realm. It is tradition on Yom Kippur, even for non-vegans, to not wear any leather footwear. The 17th century commentator of the Shla explains this by saying, how can we ask for mercy while standing upon the skin of a slaughtered animal? Ultimately, this is not about clothing, but about ethics, how we treat other living beings. It is taught in the Zohar that in the world to come, we won't have to worry about the human messiness involved in the clothes we acquire. Instead, our clothing will be a, a spiritual reflection of the deeds we did in this life. It says, if the person leaving the world is pure, he ascends and enters into those days and they become a radiant garment for his soul. But only his days of virtue, not his days of fault. Woe to him who has decreased his days up above. For when he comes to be clothed in his days, the days that he ruined are missing and he is clothed in a tattered garment. It is worse if there are many such days, then he will have nothing to wear in that world. Woe to him, woe to his soul. Happy are the righteous, their days are all stored up with the Holy King, woven into radiant garments to be worn in the wor world that is coming. Part of what makes up our spiritual clothing, I'd posit, is reflected in the full breadth of our decisions for our earthly clothing. Each time we get dressed, we are clothing not only our bodies, but also our souls. Shabbat Shalom.